0: The plot dis- doesn't even resemble that of the book. It's not even close. It's some loose strands connecting the movie and the book. And other than that, there's nothing. The story is completely different. But this movie is one big action set piece. It's literally just that. It's, it's the entire thing is just an action set piece for the entire runtime. And it rules.
1: Welcome back to the Excelsior podcast, now published by the Harvard Independent. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Wassenberger, and today I am joined by Patrick Steinbach. How's it going? And Ethan Wagoner. Glad to be back, baby. And if you can't tell, we are hopped up. We are so energetic for this episode. I don't really know why, but we've just got this momentum, and we're going to keep it going. Today, we're going to be giving you guys our sort of favorite dystopian, like just dystopian rankings, because this week, the Independent is publishing a dystopian-themed issue, so we wanted to kind of keep it in line with that, kind of keep the vibe going. Um, one of us tried to do his list in an all-encompassing way while also giving you guys some more niche recommendations towards the top, so it's not just, like, a list of things you already know. The other
0: two did not do that. But that's okay. Yes, and I will explain okay. why. I was going to do an all-encompassing list covering lots of dystopian projects, and then I watched five dystopian movies to prepare for the list in the last three days, and realized the genre fucking sucks.
2: <laughs> well, I would also like to note that one of us um, was not really informed by the topic of the episode, but has still come as prepared as uh, possible. <laughs> you see
0: how you just sabotage yourself with that, that little attempt jordan <laughs> i do know i do see that um but we're gonna move on so we're gonna go
1: right just into it way we always do if you listen to any of these lists i am the only one here with honorable mentions so i'm gonna run through those quickly we don't need to like spend time talking about all of them but there are a couple of a few sentences on um and then we'll get right now you know as we usually do we'll go around five four three two one um I think most of us have kept the definition of dystopian relatively broad. So it's kind of like dystopian and post-apocalyptic. Um, so, you know, and I'll, I'm sure we're going to miss stuff. If there's anything that we miss that you guys like, or, like you guys miss this, let us know. Cause I'm sure we've leave missed a stuff. comment. <laughs> we'll leave a comment. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that we've, I'm sure we've missed. Stuff. Anyways, I'm just going to run through honorable mentions. So from the bottom of the top, Mad Max Fury Road, Cyberpunk 2077. Bioshock, The Giver, Blade Runner. Each of those are just, you know, top-of-the-line dystopian. Mad Max 3 really Road is kind of, you could argue, post-apocalyptic, but all of those bring something new to the dystopian table. I want to give a like a like kind of a highlight to Cyberpunk and Bioshock and The Giver. The Giver, we all should know, but just like one of the more creative foundations of dystopia, um, Bioshock is just one of the best game series of all time, and if you haven't played it, you should play the first one and skip the second one and play the third one. Uh, and Cyberpunk is now really good, as Patrick can attest. You all should go play Cyberpunk. It is um, good. It's a good game. It's a really, really good game. It uh, would have probably been Game of the not Year. Not on my really list. Used, but, but... Uh, but no, it's not in the top five, but it's a good game. Um, and my last honorable mention, which, like, the only reason why it's not in the top five, is because I was trying to keep the top five relatively niche, is The Last of Us. Which realistically is number one, just on any list of, like, dystopian fiction for me. But we're trying to keep it relatively niche. So if you haven't seen The Last of Us or if you haven't played The Last of Us, play it, watch the show, play the second one, and then wait for the show for season two to come out. But The Last of Us is just, I mean, uh, it's it's just so good emotionally, uh, story wise, characters, like it hits everything 10 out of 10. I, as you all know who've listened to the episode who listened to any Excelsior episode uh, I could not say enough good things about The Last of Us um, yeah he glazes I, The Last of I, Us I, I, I glaze The Last of Us harder <laughs> than the Chicago Blackhawks glaze Connor Bedard, which is sa- fucking saying something if you have seen any of their social media accounts like, the yeah, amazing. the best hockey player of all time Okay, listen, the kid's great, but like we do not need every single NHL Instagram account to hype him up every time he touches the puck. Anyways, my number 5 um more for the comic than the game, but the game also holds a pretty special place in my heart, uh is Injustice. I think Injustice is a really really creative story, really interesting take on the DC universe. Uh one of the first video games I ever like really played. Um and just just a ton of fun. Um you know, I I think the impact that it's had on, like, Superman has been pretty negative, right, for the most part. Yeah. Like, which is, like, like people went, ran, when it, like, became really popular, people were like, oh, this is all that DC fans want, which is not true. It was popular because it was, like, a one-and-done, unique take on, on Superman and on the DC universe. Um, But in a vacuum, if you take out, like, the Zack Snyderness and, like, you know, all that kind of stuff, it's a really, really creative story. Um, and just a really interesting way to f- to reframe you know, heroes and, and villains that have been around for the better part of a century at this point. Um, so Injustice is my number five.
0: Where, where where would you lie on, where do you lie on Injustice 2? I think Injustice 2 is a better video
1: game than Injustice 1. I think Injustice 1's a better story than Injustice 2. Okay. Like, Injustice 2 is, like, one of the better fighting games that I've played, but the story is, like, kind of silly. Uh right. Injustice 2, yeah.
2: I'm just pretty surprised that you have it at five. I was just waiting one. for you, to... Think. but it just seemed like I—I I, I assumed that was going to be your one. No, dude, I my one like um, like you, you my, said it was your favorite like video game like ever basically like that's how that you not,
1: oh, that's the last of us the last of us the <laughs> last of us is my favorite game of all time. But again, I tr I wanted to keep my top five like a little more niche. My number one is not niche, but I just like I needed to put it at number one. Okay, um, but okay. yeah. Okay. All right, what
0: do you want? What's you guys? Think? All right, my one number one. five, and I'm sure this is going to be higher on Ethan's list. My number five is Hunger Games: Catching Fire.
2: I... Oh, 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 specific, oh, specifically, oh, specifically, oh, specifically oh. Catching Fire. Wait, pause, 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 pause. Because I have The Hunger Games as my is on my list, but okay, am I supposed to limit it to books?
0: You can do The Hunger Games. Well, okay. Catching Fire is a movie. Well, it's, I it's, am going to talk right now about specifically catching fire then. If it, you're doing well, if you're move. doing all of them. It's just the yeah. Yeah. movie in the franchise. Because I think that the Hunger Games franchise um is pretty consistently enjoyable, but only catching fire um really cracked the code on the action of the games themselves. Like I think the first I think the first movie is good, but the action isn't the most engaging. It's not shot in the best manner. Um, and the second one, because it had a of bigger budget, uh wider release, has a slicker production, better better action. Um, and I also think it's it's held up really well by some superb uh supporting character supporting character performances. Um, like obviously Philip Seymour Hoffman is an am- was an amazing actor. Uh he plays Plutarch Heavensby. Sam Clayfin, I think, is a super underrated actor and he plays Finnick. Um that said, it takes a while to get to the games. It takes a while to get there, and I'm kind of out of my teen melodrama phase. Uh, so it
2: doesn't hit as hard as it used to. Um, okay. yeah,
0: I think I think when
2: you talk about action shots um, and the actual games itself, while I don't think it's like a slight to the first hunger games, because I think they're like kind of going for a little bit of a different kind of vibe where it's like more like just her being scared. And like not having control of any mm-hmm. of the situations, which I think is like, so I think it's like the right way to shoot the first one and the right way to shoot the second one. I do think the end result is like Catching Fire being the best movie and the best book, just from a plot perspective, um, in the franchise, uh, pretty clearly. Um, I, I I do want to say, I, I think the supporting cast is amazing, but I also do think it's um, Jennifer Lawrence's best performance as well. Um, yeah in the movie franchise um i just think yeah it's one of those things where like it's weird to rank books and movies and to see like which like who to give the credit for because i just think from a plot perspective catching fire is the best and then so the movie itself then becomes the best and i think the movie itself does amazing stuff too um and really like is a perfect catalyst to mockingjay and like the switch on what this like series is from like districts who are helplessly like in control of the capital to like an actual revolution, and I think it's like the mm-hmm. perfect catalyst movie done in like the perfect suspenseful way. I want to get into the Hunger Games more later, but yeah, I we'll do agree it. More, but, with but I diagnosis as well.
0: Though. I so, also want to say though, like perfect catalyst for what is the best part of Mockingjay, right? Like because Mockingjay as a whole is a sort of iffy product, yeah. But- yeah especially the but that is definitely the best part of it. Wait, is Mockingjay? again?
1: I haven't seen the Hunger Games in forever. You all if you watched the episode where we ranked all the franchises know that I'm not a particularly big fan of the Hunger Games. Which is the one with like the aliens?
0: <laughs> there are no aliens in the no, Hunger yes, Games yes. franchise. Yes, in one right. of the movies, in one of the movies there are like there are like No, near... those are the, no, there's are like genetic creatures. That's Mockingjay. So, also that's the Mockingjay. first Hunger Games. Okay, that's Mocky J. Okay, okay.
2: Also, not aliens. Not aliens like yeah. like No, <laughs> like, I know. Like, Not like any, like, yeah, not aliens. Like, I don't even know. I didn't even know what you meant when you said aliens. Like, I'm glad Patrick helped out because I didn't even know what you meant. Okay. Uh, I just remember those being really stupid. That's like anyway. saying
0: that the zombies in The Last of Us are aliens are aliens <laughs> that would be, it would be just as crazy to say that no i understand that but again like
1: i haven't seen this movie. they like are scary ever, and i always yeah, remember those no, being really creepy. but yeah but also like really dumb um just like be a thing in the pop anyways ethan what is your number
0: five
2: yeah yeah so so i did want to say this beforehand just so we understand how i'm breaking a little bit i was doing by series which mm-hmm. for me weights other projects above each other, like on a consistency basis throughout the series. Um I'm still trying to figure out what the exact ranking is gonna be towards the top, but I think I nailed my number five, which I think is the epitome of consistency through a um through a dystopian like kinda like yeah, trilogy or it's four books, but um The Giver. Um was my favorite. That was the first dystopian novel I read and it was, I read it as a kid. Um, it was the first time I read a book and then picked up the sequel, like without any like force, like on my own, like sixth grade fruition or so, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, like actively seeked out a sequel. And like most people don't know that there's four books in the series and most people don't know how they're written either, which is, <laughs> it is such... <laughs> an unbelievable task of having your second and third book be like, and fourth book all have different people as the primary narrator throughout the series. Like while keeping like the universe rules connected, like while keeping the overall story connected with keeping you connected, like I was looking up like the plot of it and stuff like that. um, Before we started this, just because, I didn't fully remember it. I just remember it being so amazing. Um, I think it, it by towards the end, like the peaks don't get as high because you're not building up on the same character, but at the same time, being able to balance all the narratives and the general just like concept of the books, I think is like such an interesting dystopian novel, you know, and it like really makes you question some of like kind of the moral, things you hold on to yourself. Um, especially I think it's a really good book for kids of a younger age and it brings down those concepts really well. Um, I just love it. Like I just think the universe they create is while the books themselves aren't like the higher highest of qualities compared to the other things I'll say, I think the giver universe is arguably the best one when it comes to dystopian. And I'm, I'm totally biased. Um, but yeah, I just think the universe itself and the concepts behind it are just held really well together through four books. And the, the payoff on the fourth book is, if you haven't read Sun, the payoff on the fourth book makes all three books worth it.
1: I agree with that. I uh, I love The Giver. Like, absolutely love it. The, okay, that's one where it's like the only reason why it's on my top five is the one to keep it like slightly more niche. Um, I I think The Giver also has just an amazing message. Like... Yeah. For anyone who reads it. Even if you just, I never read the two, three, and four, and I read. Really yeah, I've should. only read the first one.
2: And that's the thing, you don't actually need to read. Like, like one right. yeah, is technically confined to itself. So i
1: like, even if you even if you just read number one, you get so much out of it, and it's such a good message. Like if you haven't read the Giver, read the Giver. Um or you could also watch. What episode is it in Breaking Morty season six, Ethan? That's just I the knew Giver. <laughs> what's, what's that episode? The, the is it episode four or five, the dinosaur one. That's literally just the Giver. You could also just watch that and basically get the same story. Um, I was going to well, say,
0: um, my opinion of the of the Giver is is really um, marked by the fact that I used to confuse it with the Giving Tree. <laughs> So do it that way, you will.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There's no way to
0: separate those two projects in
2: my head. I just think like – I think what what actually makes The Giver for me in the top five, while I do think The Giver itself is an amazing book, it's the second book Hmm. which like (laughs) – I don't want to spoil The Giver though if you haven't like – read that book you know like what are you, what have you been doing spoiler now? warning for like a yeah. 30 year old book <laughs> yeah spoiler yeah for however old it is it's basically like the first book like you have all the giver shit going on and then the dude runs away like he can't deal with the society which seems within the book such a like human response to what is happening to him And the second book is a completely different character thrown in not the exact same village, but kind of there's multiple villages kind of doing the same thing. Um, But her decision to stay and like how these, like, it's just like, it's a similar story, except it's different enough where you're not reading the same book twice. And then the way they take it is like, yeah, just interesting, read the book. And like the fourth one's fucking sick of shit. So read that shit. That's my final yeah. diagnosis. You read, read The Giver. Um, all right, I'll get to number four. Yeah, that's what
1: okay. I do so my number four is V for Vendetta, the movie, because I've not read the book. Have
2: I any have, you have you heard have
0: heard of, of, of people... you seen I, I V for Vendetta? I really Detta? wish I had watched V for Vendetta through this instead of the movies that I did watch. V for <laughs> Vendetta is like fully, not only one of the best dystopian projects
1: ever, just an amazing, amazing movie. No, no, um, no I've it's, heard it's really good. It takes place in a... Don't look at the Rotten Tomatoes, by the way, because they're stupid. It takes place in a dystopian like alternate reality. It stars Hugo Weaving, who, if you don't know, plays Elrond in Lord of the Rings, and has a bunch of other really famous roles, and Natalie Portman in arguably her best role, but like I'd also put Black Swan up there. Um, I think that's her last one. And Jackie. She Thor Love and Thunder. Thunder. <laughs> and Thor Love and Thunder. I put Revenge... I would not put the performance that last year we voted the worst acting performance of all time on the Excelsior Awards. That's what I said. (laughs) I would not put that one. Uh, But no, but no, she is phenomenal in it. Hugo Waving is phenomenal. It is an amazing story that strikes the perfect balance between, like, political, like, activism in a movie and, like, really interesting, really cool, dystopian sci-fi. Not even sci-fi, but, like dystopian, I don't know what you would call it, historical fiction, like political fiction, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's just an amazing, amazing movie. I don't want to go too much in it. I don't want to like spoil anything because both of you haven't seen it. Um, but if you are in the mood for a really interesting political thriller that still is really relevant today, I think like it's 20 years since we came out and like has just as much relevant commentary as it did when it first released. Um, but just like a, a movie that like, legitimately makes you think and tells a really, really compelling emotional story um, while also maintaining just like being a cool movie, which is something that I think is really hard to do. Um, I give B for Vendetta a, a lot of props. It's my number four. Um, it's also, by the way, the last movie on my list. So like, that is, like, in my opinion, the best moderately niche uh, dystopian movie ever. Um, so like, take that for what you will. Um, but it's really good,
0: and you all should watch it. All right, my number four is The Maze Runner: The Death Cure. <laughs> <laughs> no, come on, wait, wait, kind of, kind of for pause?
1: Kind of, no, no, just pause, pause one second. Do you have any other Maze Runner projects in your No,
0: three, two, Because and one? this is okay. the best one. Okay, okay, okay. but you'll yeah. see in my notes. <laughs> what, the first <laughs> the movie series, which the which first cast? sentence of my notes is: "There's no argument for this, right? <laughs> Interesting. Like the storytelling of this movie." is all over the place. The character <laughs> decisions make little to no Wait, sense. you're doing it... the movie and not the book? The movie's better. And the, I, I was about to say, the plot does, doesn't even resemble that of the book. It's some loose strands connecting the movie and the book, and other than that, there's nothing. The story is completely different. But this movie is one big action set piece. It's literally just that. <laughs> it's, it's the entire thing is just an action set piece for the entire runtime, and it rules. The action is so cool. The, um, what's his name? What, oh, God, who plays Thomas? Oh, what's oh, his
2: name? Oh, oh, my God, oh, my God.
0: Lerman,
1: yes, yeah. no, 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 it's not no, Logan not Lerman. Lerman. Oh, my God. Yes, I know, I know it is.
0: He's in that movie on Amazon Prime. Um, it's Dylan O'Brien. Dylan O'Brien yes, yes. is an unbelievable, unbelievable actor. He's such a good action star, and the movie is so fun the whole way through. It makes no sense, though. I can't defend this.
2: Yeah. Patrick, I'm not going to get into this because I'm not even going to say a word for this. By the way, because it's later on my list, and I just so, um, yeah, just completely disagree with the words that are coming. Out of your mouth. <laughs> not necessarily the objective words that are coming out of your mouth, like just that, like the fact that it is that this movie is on your top five list is. It's, said, it, because it's the Runner no. is on I love, top it. List, I love it. It's with the asterisk that the movies suck. Patrick, but that's do a you like, know?
1: no? no, no, no. <laughs> do you know what Rotten Tomatoes gives the death cure
0: movie? Didn't you literally say Rotten Tomatoes sucks like five minutes ago for V yeah, for Vendetta? Because we- <laughs> I could pull up the V for Vendetta Rotten Tomatoes right now if we want. It's yeah, and it's 30% higher than that. It's a 40%. Death Cure is a 40. V for Vendetta is a okay. 75. My favorite oh, yeah. movie of all time is National Treasure. That's at 46.
2: Yeah, but that's an absolute yeah, you Maybe, maybe start calling to question your, your ability. <laughs> George, <Yeah>. George <laughs> backing up on National Treasure <laughs> being a good
0: no, fucking
2: movie. No, I
1: will back <laughs> up National Treasure. National Treasure? I think Wagner have, have okay. not told you. was good. No, good no, 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 no. Dude, dude, Wagner, Patrick came over to my house about, like, a few months ago, and we watched, so we were like, all right, we're going to watch the movie. And we watched the Nicolas Cage, Pedro Pascal, of Town. which was like fine. And we were like, that was a cool movie. That was fun. Let's watch some more Nicolas Cage. So then we watched National Treasure Part 1. And I was like, damn, that was a really, really good movie. And then two minutes later, we watched National Treasure Part 2. We watched nine hours of
0: Nicolas Cage.
1: Back-to-back-to-back, back back. which is an insane thing to do. Management. Um, it was awesome. Um, what I will say, though, in response to Patrick is the only redeeming thing that you just brought up about the Death Cure is that it's one big action set piece.
0: That was the only positive thing I said about That's the only positive thing about the movie. <laughs> no, I know, I know. And to that, I would
1: ask you, what? why not Mad Max Fury Road, where, again, it's one action set piece, but it's just better in every conceivable way. And it's like one of like, the best action
2: movies of all time. Haven't watched. Don't care. Okay, that's valid. What's your number four? <laughs> yeah, so it's not the Maze Runner just yet. Uh, <laughs> it's not the Death Cure. <laughs> yeah, it's not the Death Cure movie. Um, that's like an insult, bro. Like I actually like. Let's. Like, that's that's like maybe my favorite. I'm not okay. I'm not gonna get into it. I'm not gonna get. Into it. I'll get into it when it is on my list. Um, this is the one thing for me, which is like just a movie, and I'm just gonna throw it on here, and I, I just want to see your reactions. Um. X-Men Days of Future Past. I don't know if that counts as a dystopian movie, but I'm gonna count it, and then I'm gonna throw it on this list. Because I think even though it's like a superhero movie and it's like not like human dystopian, it's still dystopian enough for me to count it, one, and then to fucking throw it on my list at four. Because this shit is the best fucking X-Men movie, like beside maybe like Logan. Um, so you know what was, do you count Logan as dystopian? I think Logan is not dystopian. I would not consider Logan okay. dystopian. And I'm going second be, to think about this yeah. before I threw X-Men. I think X-Men Days of Future Past is a lot more like clearly breaks the dystopian threshold, where yeah. I do think Logan is just like an amazing movie that's like more just a movie set in the like future then it is yeah. like a Cause, description. Cause, by the way i i have no problem with this on your list i think days of future past is like a top 10 superhero film of yeah, all this i'm like, gonna, like, gonna, gonna say that this is basically as good as superhero movies get yeah. um which should be my first thing that it's probably a top 10 superhero movie project by far for me the best like x-men if you don't include logan um which yeah, i think 100%, 100%. But, but if not one then two on the like kind of x-men and i i do think those are the only two projects that are even worth really talking about. Yeah. Um i just think they're in a tier of their own. Um Yeah, i just think while it gets a little shaky at moments in the middle, i think the balancing of the multiple storylines with like what we would feel like the motivation of those characters would be like with the information like in this universe, like i think it's a perfect encapsulation of how Magneto would react to that situation. Like in the future and in the present, like those, the like Magneto who's gone through the stuff, who's then like obviously on the side of like the X-Men versus like the Magneto who's like so scared of like, and like so scared of this, like what's happened to him in the past by human beings and finds like an opportunity to like, yeah, like a super, like not justifiable, but like a super empathetic journey, you know? And like, I think the, like, scene in the woods where they're all with bow and arrows, like, that's just one of the... I just think Magneto is a clear star of the show. Amazing acting performance. Amazing, like, fight scenes. Um, And the robots are just fucking scary, man. Like, it's just... I think it's, like, a little shaky, like, holding together the plot in moments, but I can look past it because I think it ends and starts uh, perfectly. And I just think everyone brings it. Like... I think everyone, everyone, everyone brings it. Um, I think it's the best Wolverine. I think it's the best yep. Magneto. Like Charles, like I, I think he's like I think it's a great uh, depiction of Charles Xavier. Though I think the Magneto and Wolverine stuff are top top quality, and I just think it's like as good as superhero movies get. And I think it's really the only superhero movie that breaks into this dystopian yep. genre. And I think it was just such an interesting play for a movie. Like thinking about the X Men movies that preceded it, like for them to just rip this one in the middle, like I don't know. I think it was just such a bald ass call that could have like just been looked at as a complete joke, like that like some of the X Men movies are looked at, and I think it was just such a risk that they completely pulled off. And so I'm gonna put this at a uh, four on my list. Yeah, and the only reason four is because the series. Not to say that the movies that I'm going to bring up or books I bring up in later are necessarily better. It's the series component for me that would outweigh. But I think this is a
1: good movies, yeah. For me, every time I watch Days of Future Past, I put it like higher and higher on my list of favorite favorite movies. I think it's just as good as it gets. It it gets better with every single watch. I second everything Wagner just said. Um, I also think that like, I think the best two characters in the movie are Charles Xavier and Magneto.
2: Like, yeah, I but, think Magneto, you
1: know, it's just, it's as good as Magneto yeah. has been in movie form. But, like, I also think, like, that scene where future Xavier is talking to his past self and he gives him the, like, just because someone stumbles and falls and loses their way doesn't mean they're lost forever speech is, like, one of the best moments in any superhero movie ever. Like, like I'd take a top three superhero movie moment. Um, it's just, it's just perfectly, it is the only X, like, the only X-Men movie that actually captures what the X-Men are about, right? Like, it actually talks about both the heart of the team and, like, all that kind of stuff, while also talking about, like, X-Men as, like, a civil rights thing and, like, you know, um, what's the wrong an allegory for the civil rights movement in the 60s. Like, it just just does everything that you would want an X-Men film to do.
2: While it's also... Being a fucking cool-ass movie that's, like, global politics, yeah. fucking Vietnamese guys shitting on America, like, fucking baseball stadiums with, like robots and shit like it's just fucking like sick as fuck like i'm I'm sorry like there's no other way to spend yeah. it it's also kind of like one of, or, well, I was say, um, one of one of
1: the few time travel movies that pulls off time travel without messing itself up right like actually keeps it clean and put together it's not like looper where time travel doesn't make any sense like actually makes it work in the confines of the rules that the movie sets up
0: um and just props all around to like one of the best superhero films of all time yeah yeah, I mean, I don't really have much new to add, since you guys uh, said a lot, uh, I like Days of Future Past. But I think I've said on the podcast before, um, I'm on the I'm on the Jason Caldwell train where I prefer first class. Um, so yeah, I, I like Days of Future Past, but it, it would not make my list. <laughs> That's fair. Jordan, are you guys, um, on to number three? Oh yeah, I'm on number three. Uh, so for me, number three
1: is The Stanley Parable. Uh, if you have not played this game. Please, for the love of God, play this game. The Stanley Parable is like one of those things that comes around. It's one of those games that comes around once every 10, 15 years and just reshapes the entire industry. Um, It was one of the first games to have like, you know, 50 different endings. It's one of, basically, the, the, the plot of the game is you wake up in an office and everybody is gone and you have to figure out what happened. Um, And along that journey, like, there's no action, there's no combat, you can't even jump, you literally just walk through the office and like there's a narrator in the background. And it's your relationship with the narrator, both as the player, but and as the main character. And it is one of the most create just purely creative projects I have ever played. I consider it dystopian in the context of a situation that is like the opposite of a utopia, right? you could argue yes there's no government element there's no like you know weird sort of power overlord dynamic stuff um but i think it does still fit the bill of like dystopia it is by definition a niche dystopia and so that's why it's on here um it is as creative as a game has ever been i think it literally built no, i think it did build its own genre of you know kind of these multiple endings like infinite choice type games um And then they updated it 10 years later and made it even better. Um, Also, it's always, always had a really smart commentary on game design and the games industry in general and like pop culture uh, and just sort of what we've been conditioned to expect of the media that we consume and sort of flips it all on its head and like addresses it in a very point blank way, uh, which is awesome. And then also has like commentary about just nature of work and like how we value as a society work versus leisure versus our family and all this kind of stuff. Um, and then like, but then on top of all that stuff, it's just this crazy, like mind bending um, journey through this seemingly pretty normal office. Um, and yeah, it's just like on creativity, if it wasn't like an amazing game, like in a genre defining game on creativity alone, it would still be in here. Um, but it's just when you combine that with everything else, it, there's really, really nothing else like it. I think in any um, in any genre. Uh, and so uh, Stanley Parable is just, is just phenomenal. So if you haven't played it, play the Stanley Parable. Can't recommend it enough. Um yeah. Fair. I
2: haven't
0: heard of it. Nice. But. Yeah, I have not played it, but I have seen that people like it. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. that's my contribution. No yeah. um my, Jordan. my number three is Alita Battle Angel. Um, that is your I, number three? I and I think I also wanna I also want to draw the line here, which is this is the point. This is the point. My number three. <laughs> I think there are three dystopian projects ever that I would say are consistently good throughout. Whereas Catching Fire and, um, and Death Cure are, you know, I like parts I don't like others. Wait, we're talking about Alita the movie, right? Alita the movie. Okay. okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think the movie has helped a lot by the fact that you can feel like the James Cameron touch of just quality on it. James Cameron is just so good at what he does. Um, And you can, you can feel that quality permeating throughout the movie. It feels really alive. And I think a big part of that is Rosa Salazar gives a fucking electric performance as Alita. So energetic, so instantly likable, literally within seconds of the character coming to life, you're already super interested in her uh, and invested in her. and then it also has really creative action set pieces with uh, the, uh, the rollerblading sports matches um, slash action sequences. And I think the biggest negative of the movie is that it hasn't gotten a sequel yet, which is like, if that's your biggest negative, then you did the right thing. You left me wanting more. So Didn't they greenlight a sequel? Uh there've been talks about it. They say they're working on it, so that's why it's still making the list. If it was never going to get a sequel, it probably wouldn't be on this list. But It's like I remember I remember people like talking about it
1: when it came out. I was just surprised that like oh uh, that was like the last movie I thought you were going to bring up. because I like forgotten that existed until this exact moment. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't think it's like a terrible take cuz I know
0: that people people like that movie like, a lot. Yeah, it's really cool and also the the effects are super good. Yeah, all throughout. It's Yeah. Yeah, it's good.
2: Sorry. Wagner? Yeah, I'll get into my uh, number three, um, which is going to be the Rise of the Planet of the Apes movies. (laughs) Okay, wait. Before you say anything. All so So before you say anything, okay, before you say anything,
1: I had this series on my list and
0: Patrick told me to take it off. I don't think it's dystopian.
2: <laughs>
0: is it definitely not dystopian? dystopian. I don't dystopian. think it's dystopian. The second movie? Have you watched the second movie in the series? It's just post-apocalyptic. I no, said. There's... I said to Jordan. I said if, like, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes specifically might be dystopian. Yeah,
2: yeah, it is. But that's n- that's one. That's dystopian. one of them. It's not the whole thing. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. There you go. Boom. <laughs> okay. 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 That's, yeah. That's yeah, the this, yeah so so insane. Yeah, like, the,
1: all of these movies are amazing. Like this is one of the no, best It's an
2: amazing trilogy. It's so good. The movies, I look, I haven't read no books. I didn't watch the old movies, but whatever. Like these movies, dude. Like yes. first thing, okay. The first movie is the best one in the franchise. I'm sorry, it's done so well. But I will the first come one back to this like, later. I will come back to this. Later. Later. <laughs> wow, the first one is so good. Oh my god, it's so good. And it, like, I don't know. Like, yeah, I just I didn't know the plot going in. And so when I, like, watch that shit, and then you get to, like, the end scene where the pilot coughs blood, and you're just, like, seeing the fucking planes go everywhere, and then COVID hits, like, four years later, like, (laughs) I'm like, damn, like, it's just a fucking serious-ass movie with a relatable-ass monkey. And, like, that's crazy to make a monkey, like, empathetic and, like, relatable. You know what I mean? Like, Like, it's an animal, and they do such a good job of humanizing him and, like, having... That journey clearly played out. While like whoever the scientist is in the first one, um, by the way, I'm pretty sure Slade played Reed Richards. In yeah, the yeah, it Fantastic is. But no, no, for sure is. Right, L- e- Eon Gruffith,
1: Gruffid, Griffith, Eon. Is it Eon or Lone? Wait, who are
0: you talking about? Oh no, it's the, James Franco. It's James Franco. No, there's a Planet of the Apes where we a scientist guy is the okay, same well, guy. In Fantastic. In Rise four. of the Planet of the Apes, it's it James is. Franco. Well, no,
2: James Franco it. Rules it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, James Franco kills it. Um, but then I think the following movie is it? Is it two or three following movies? Dawn is two. And are is they making- Dawn? Wait, which
1: is the one with um, the the guy from Terminator, Jason Clark? Is that Dawn or Rise? Jason or is Clark is Dawn. Is Dawn? Yeah, he's Dawn with Gary Oldman, and then Rise is okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah they're all amazing. Like.
2: Yeah, and yeah. Dawn with, like, the army coming from the north. Yeah, and yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Oh, I never watched War, Planet of the Apes. You haven't War watched really War? Good. War? War is, is really, also really good. good. Dude, Wait, they're all amazing. They're all amazing movies. i like, watched, watched all of these. No, i watched all of these. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've I've come, I'm
1: so glad we are finally talking about Planet of the Apes on this podcast, because these are all such amazing movies.
0: Yeah,
2: can I oh, just say... coming out with
0: Kingdom. Yeah, they're the making old. a new one, dude. Like, next year. With, with the guy who
2: directed the Maze Runner movie. <laughs> no way! No way! Anyway, okay, anyway, 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 anyway. Like, such an interesting concept. Like, does the realness factor, like, at a hundred. Like, it feels, it feels real. Like, it feels it takes like... takes something... itself super seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes itself super, super seriously. And you just, like...
0: While also having an ape on a tank with
2: a machine gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but, like, actually, like, it just, it encapsulates, like, how humans would react to the situation, like, so well, Um which makes it, like, as scary and as real and as emotional as, like, any of these dystopian movies can get, you know what I mean? Like, I just think embodying human reaction is where the dystopian stuff, like, get their mileage out, and I think it does it as well as any of them do, and then I think the, like the cinematography like just when they're going across the Golden gate bridge to like them like fighting the battles in the forest versus like the city that's like, crumbling down like all these fight scenes like all the cinematography i just think is something that they put a little bit extra effort into
0: yeah you know, i the, mean two and two and three were directed by matt reeves so yeah yeah
2: yeah, yeah. so like yeah, yeah yeah it's just i think it's as good as it gets um mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if I watch War of Apes. Of when There's does nothing. Dawn end? What is the last thing that happens in Dawn?
1: I forget. Also, as far I touch on while he's looking it up, uh, Caesar is one of the best movie characters. Maybe. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say. Like, that. I think Caesar is like, one of the best characters in film history. Like, legitimately, yeah. one of the best movie characters of all time. Maybe one of the best characters in like fiction. Like, people do not give enough credit to Caesar as a character because holy shit. Like every single thing, this character,
2: this, ape, this Dude, guy, guys, what even, bro, what, guys, 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 guys. Fuck! I for sure haven't watched this third movie. Is it good? You have. Yes, yes, it's watch good. It. Dude, thing... Okay, you. that's your homework. I know. Okay. Watch this movie,
1: Caesar. Caesar. Every choice that Caesar makes is so in line with his character, his development in each movie, and then over the whole series is pitch perfect. Like, there's not, I could literally spend the rest of this episode just glazing Caesar. One He's of the, the best characters character.
0: ever. Also, no, have I've more. I have watched War. I did watch Can you sure. make up your mind on whether you watch <laughs> this movie or not? Because this is getting frustrating. <laughs> i to teach <mean, I> <laughs> you to stop. <laughs> Anyways. Okay, can I just say yes. I watched yes. these movies for the first time in like May. Um, and I'm going to do a little so that the people who watch Excelsior will have a spoiler uh for this but my my end of year like movie ranking i throw on three honorable mentions of movies that i watched for the first time that didn't come out that year and rise of the planet of the apes is a lock for one of those spots at the moment because it is an unbelievable unbelievably amazing movie yeah. yeah
2: Stop, yeah. Okay. yeah i'm glad okay yeah i'm
0: counting this shit so dude, exactly. maybe we should
1: just do a planet of the apes podcast at some point and just like just talk about planet of the apes for an hour <laughs> yeah just,
2: like, okay,
1: right. it's like right, jordan you're yeah. too let's go yeah this is gonna be a lot I, 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 I'm about a monologue right now number two is another game called disco elysium which i have recommended to patrick um a couple times um disco elysium is a, like when it came out it was super super big like got a ton of hype ton of press ton of awards and then nobody talked about it. I think that is a mistake because Disco Elysium is like just honestly in my like, top 10, 15 games of all time, like period. You know, when you see like a game trailer and they always advertise like, oh, your choices matter. Like even when Telltale, who are like the your choices matter guys, even though they're like your choices matter. Every single video game studio and publisher should be banned from saying that until they play Disco Elysium and then they can say whether their choices matter or not. There is no game that has ever come out where you, as the player, have as much agency or as much control or as much just impact on the world as Disco Elysium.
2: Literally, what's that that new game? That's what was the new game? What's the new Starfield or whatever? They have not of, even close. Not even <laughs> close. Dude, Disco Elysium, every single conversation that you have with
1: every single character, first off, the writing is the best writing in any game, hands down, like maybe except for The Last of Us, but it's also such a different style of writing that you can't really compare them because one's like a singularly focused narrative story and one's like literally writing an entire world that you can interact with. The writing is superb. The art style is, is this gorgeous, like watercolor aesthetic, which is unbelievable. Every single interaction you have, like you as the player have to pretend like you are actually talking to this person in real life because all of it matters. Every interaction is just so important, but like important, but also like the real conversations that you're having with these people. And you totally create, like yes, there are obviously narrative arcs that are laid out before you, but the journey you take and what you get out of the game is entirely dependent on you as the player. It is, like, I cannot say enough good things about this game. It is the best writing in any video game ever. It is the only game where your choices actually matter. And it is just such an interesting world to be in. Like, I'm now on my, like, fourth play, and it's a meaty game. I'm on my fourth playthrough just to see, like, what if I do this one tiny little thing differently? Like, how does that impact out? It is just so, so good. And everyone should play Disco Elysium if you just, like, if you like good writing. And like, want to be really, really invested in a world and in a story that is totally of your own crafting to an extent. Play this, Coliseum. Like, just, just no play this game. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah it's, it's, and it's just so creative and cool and like, I could not say enough good things about this game. Also, if you're a D and D fan, there are like some light D and D elements in here, which I don't think get talked about enough. Like you are rolling for like initiative and perception, like it all that kind of stuff. D&D and like coming soon, we got to pull it off at some point. Dude. But like <laughs> there are kind of light D and D elements, which are. Which are really cool. Like, obviously, it's not like Baldur's Gate three, where that is D anD D, but as a video game. But like, just those elements that make it more like more of a game than something like Telltale or 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 something like that. Um, and that keep you kind of like like playing in a
0: different way. But yeah, just Disco Elysium, like
2: this game.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's your guys' number two? Uh, my number two is the TV show Silo. So... <laughs> yes,
1: yes, dude. <laughs> Silo is so good
0: so silo yeah silo is to me like the baseline of quality all dystopian shows and movies should aim to reach because it's and they won't reach it like my my number well but i would say like my number one um which i won't spoil yet but it's like unreachable um but silo i actually do think like is really really good but in a in a reachable way so all shows and movies should strive to be silo it creates an interesting world but not at the expense of the characters who drive the story literally every step of the way nothing important happens by coincidence at all um the season also has this like it has it's this is what i think tv can do really well The season builds this unrelenting momentum towards its conclusion that makes the final episode like as satisfying as you could ask for, it answers a lot of questions, but also throws in a lot of new ones. Um, the only reason the show, uh, aside from the fact that my number one spot could never be dethroned, like the only reason the show isn't like this much higher is because it only one season has come out. Yeah, uh, they ha- the they are working on the second one, but like that's that's a limiting factor when you come to like a show with so much central intrigue and mystery. Uh, it is. Fantastic though, watch
1: Silo. Yeah, the only reason why Silo is not in my like not on my list, a because I knew that Patrick would have it, but b because it's only one season, and I don't want to be one of those guys who says that one season of a show makes it the second best show of all time. Try out
2: Invincible right. season two, baby.
1: Head <laughs> off. <up laughs> Dude, shout out the Excelsior episode, Invincible Season Two Part One, which is technically Invincible Part Two because we never actually uploaded uh, Invincible Part Two. But shout out, we're gonna cover Invincible somewhere on somebody's computer. Um, but anyways, Silo, getting back to it, yeah, just like I second everything Patrick said. Um, the only thing I want to add is just on like the story plot stuff. Such an like legitimately interesting mystery that the show also lets play out, that like it gives the viewer a lot of time to try to solve it on their own. And so when the ending happens, like that's part of why it feels so satisfying because it doesn't feel rushed. It doesn't feel like these are just being told at you. Like you are learning this stuff along with the characters and you like, you get to theorycraft a lot during the show, which at least for me is super enjoyable. And also just a really interesting mystery. Like on its own merit it's just like i haven't seen this kind of thing done in this way in a, in a in a medium before um and they kill it and rebecca ferguson kills it like all of the actors kill it in this in the show um just yeah dude also cinematography is great but like that's kind of a, a no brain yeah, and, yeah. The, and
0: the production value is super high like oh, it's, it's a big it's budget like, tv show
1: it's like expanse level production maybe off the shorts um yeah we're well, then... gonna watch your number two <laughs>
2: I have been going.
0: We know one of them is the Maze Runner series. i
2: right. 1
1: wanted to. Well, hold on for the content. Do you want to put the Maze Runner at two, just so then there's some mystery around what number? Well, one isn't it's. the
0: other one Hunger Games? <laughs> oh, is that really just your top two? We
1: <laughs> Hunger
0: Games. Oh, okay. All
2: right. <laughs> All right. yeah, so for me, it's not um, particularly close. Um, okay. These are easily, easily, easily my top two, and the fact that both you guys don't have this as your top two, from, like, at least if I you're... I don't have the, it because I know that you... would had Why is it justification, sure. If your justification is, like, okay, we're talking about peaks more than we're talking about series-on-series series consistency. If you haven't read the books, because I don't think the movies compete in this. Like, I'm not no, really... No, no the books are so amazing. Um, but these, for me, like, dystopian one and two universes of the content that I've consumed <laughs> is the uh, is the easy one and two. I'm going to go with the Hunger Games at two um, on personal bias alone. Um, I agree. But I'm going to talk about Catching Fire for, like, the movie for, like, two more seconds. Um, I am not over my team melodrama (laughs) face. And so maybe me and Patrick just watched the first half of Catching Fire differently, potentially. But... God, do I when I think of a movie that's start to end where every scene is necessary and shit isn't too laid out, like, come on, Patrick. Like, what are we talking about? Like It's on my list. Is she gonna choose the cool bone arrow guy? Is she gonna choose the bread, dude? Like, come on! Like, like, is that some real romance, dude? Like, 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 what do you think about like the perspective of the start of Catching Fire from Gail's perspective, from PETA's perspective, and from Katniss's perspective, you understand why this is actually a complex love triangle. And like the emotional moments she shared with both of them while dealing with the trauma. Like, like I think the first scene when they're in the forest and she's with Gail and things are clearly not the same, and that's why the first scenes are necessary, is her life just in District 12 just is not the same and nothing will ever be the same ever again. And that's kind of what Catching Fire is about, right? Catching Fire is the end of the Capitol's control of the, the districts and transitioning this from like general unrest to like war, right? And the slowness and carefulness that this movie does that transition from like the actual unrest in District 12 versus, and like the Capitol fearing for that control and what, how Katniss has started this movement to like the all out scale war of the helicopters breaking through the top when Katniss destroys the roof and like her waking up in district 13, like not knowing what the fuck's going on. Like when you talk about a movie as a catalyst in a transition project, I just think catching fire is as good of a get as good as it gets. And then the movie itself, like I just think the 75th Hunger games from a plot perspective in the books is just done perfectly. Right? Like I just think it's yeah. the perfectly written. And so that that makes the movie perfect. You know what I mean? Like the movie didn't do anything, like the movie cuts out things that I actually think are okay. You know what I mean? Like there were a couple scenes in the book that are just not necessary. And so honestly, the movie's as good as it gets for me. I just love mocking Jay as a book. Is my is kind of where my thing is with that. Like I love Catching Fire as the best movie, and I love Mocking Jay as the best book. because um, I think Finnick is obviously honestly one of the better characters, and I think he really gets uh Sorry, Jordan just put on a crown.
0: Jordan's so extra.
2: Sorry, I I found a a crown and I put it on. For audio listeners out there, Jordan but just put on a crown. Really um,
0: messed with Ethan's flow.
2: But uh, yeah, 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 yeah. When you talk about universes, um, I think The Hunger Games is as good as it gets, Um, and I just think like it's just perfect. Like, if I'm actually going objective number one, it's The Hunger Games for sure. I just, I like the Maze Runner series and I'll get into why I like it more. Um, Yeah, I just think it's perfect. Like, I think it is 10 out of 10 perfect from a book level. And I just couldn't, I couldn't even comprehend a reason why it, like, isn't just the perfect dystopian. Like, I just think it is, yeah, text. it's hard for me to articulate it. And like I said, some stuff I like about Catching Fire specifically, but yeah, I just think it's, I think it's perfect. Um, and I think it's like underratedly like such a unique told story. And I think because people don't realize how like interesting of a story it is, because you only really get that the first time. But I just think it's a crazy transition from the universe set in the Hunger Games to what we end up getting in Mocking Jay. And the ending of Mocking Jay, like the conclusion of the story itself and the killing of Snow and like how Katniss deals with that decision. Like I just think it's just the perfect story. I, I don't know. I think it's the objective number one, uh, but I'm gonna throw at it at two because I just like the Maze Runner better, subjectively. But yeah, yeah, I just think it's if you if it's the only reason, the only justification for having it this low on both your guys' lists is not reading the books. That would be. I have best. read the so, books again. Yeah, again, read them again.
1: <laughs> the Maze Runner would have been in my top five if Patrick, if I know that Patrick wasn't going
2: to have it. And the Hunger Games... I just I like, we well, are my top five. Like, that's my top five. Like, Hunger Games... I love, I love the Games. Maze Runner. Um, and we'll get to the Hunger Games when we do the next loop around, but uh, the Maze Runner next loop around, but... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I'm so with the Catching Fire take, though. Like, it's just Shister. so... Such a good movie. I want to... I don't want to
1: say my number one quite yet. Patrick, I am so curious, though. What is yours? If no, you don't not- get
0: to skip... No, you don't get to skip yours.
1: Oh, We're waiting for I, mine.
0: Okay, fine. Well,
1: I mean, look, you all know what mine is. Like, you all know what mine I was is.
2: Adjusted, so.
0: Dude, it's The Walking Dead. Like, yeah. like, like it's like The I knew Walking what yours Dead. Was. I guess this is so. why I wasn't going to break the suspense I built up just so that you could have more on The Walking Dead. And let, and let, me, be clear, let me be clear, this
1: was not going to be on my list. Like, when we said that we were going to do this episode, this was nowhere on my list. And then I watched the two spinoff shows that they just released for The Walking Dead. And it was really, really good. And I was reminded at how good this show can be when the writers actually like try to make something good and don't just stab their fans in the back and break their hearts and crush their hopes and dreams and souls. Ethan's gone because um, he but is annoying. But anyways, um, The Walking Dead is like, in my opinion, the greatest TV show ever made. I think it's one of the best stories in fiction. I think it is just start to finish it has its ups and downs obviously but for the first nine and a half
0: seasons definitely it's has up. its downs it's all up <laughs> definitely for the first has nine. downs
1: <laughs> okay as the only one here who's actually seen the show it's basically all up for the first nine and a half seasons um and then it stumbles a bit but it i think there are a really lot of people
0: that don't agree with you on that
1: i am the only one here who's seen the show like i am literally the only one here who's who's seen the show dude the walking dead is legitimately amazing it's my number one the new shows are really really good i am extremely hopeful that they can bring rick grimes back in a way that doesn't just kill everything um but yeah dude it's the walking dead like like it's one it's my favorite show of all time um it is insane to me that you all won't even, like, give it the time of day to try. Um, which I recognize, by the way, is, like, done to spite me. And that's okay, as long as like, we all acknowledge that that's what it is.
0: That's what um, gets me. You seem convinced I would have watched this show if it weren't the fact to spite you. I have zero interest
2: in ever watching this show, ever. I have never wanted to watch The Walking Dead, and I I've never watched, will. Never watch it, but it is probably more to do the fact of spite it. But I'll probably watch That's the last one. That, that shit looks fine. Yes, last one is
1: good. That's yeah, last was
2: great. Um,
1: yeah. My number one is The Walking Dead. We don't need to keep talking about it, but it's just like
2: just in anybody so out reasons, there like, has like I a relatively open when I just know factually uh, from not watching it that there's so much shitty seasons in this fucking show that, that's, like, but I think that's not true that's actually not true like there were only three saying... and a half
0: shitty seasons
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> 12
2: shitty seasons is so many seasons of shitty television but that's no, so no, no. But it's not three
1: and a half shitty seasons. It's nine and a half amazing seasons. And then over the next three
2: seasons or two and a half seasons, there are like some. I just not know for a fact the show sucks after Rick dies. I know for a fact. Like I know No, no, no. But see, but see, that's the thing, is when
1: you say that, yes, Rick's departure from the show is not great. It's but like the show- saying like, The Office is the best sitcom, which it is not. Like, yes, Rick Grimes leaving the show is a mistake, but it's a mistake because of the way in which they do it. But the rest of the show is not bad because he left. Like, they actually still do a really good job of keeping the show at a high quality level. The only issue, like, the only, like, real, like, story season issue is that the last season and a half, just personally, is the exact opposite of what I would have done. Well, Like, it's not bad television, it's just the opposite of what I wanted, but it's that's just okay. not at all what I
0: think is <laughs> good in any way.
2: Yes, yes, and <laughs> not I would get anything, <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> yes, but well, that doesn't I, mean it's bad. I might just be stupid.
2: No, I'm just stupid, I just a terrible movie, take.
0: which would also throw into question my entire placement of this list. <laughs> no, listen, I think the last season really does drop the ball,
1: right. But, like, but like it's not like Game of Thrones where the last season of the show legitimately ruins the entire show. And, by the way, I would still say Game of Thrones is one of the best shows ever made, right? This is yeah. not even that extreme. Like, the last season of The Walking Dead does not ruin the entire show. It just is very disappointing for a long time fans of the show. But still, even if you were to stop when Rick died, it's still one of the best shows ever. But also, I wouldn't recommend that because, like, season 10 and 11 are actually really good. Okay. Anyways. Hey, Patrick,
2: you want to go before you? I said it? my piece. No, 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 no. no I, I can we'll go get over.: I'm sure know could know what that uh, is. It is kind of known what mine is, if you want. We know. I mean, order? but the. All right. Sure. Yeah, I just want to save your, like, suspenseful stuff for last, if you want. Well, I'm so curious as to now what Patrick said. I know, I so, know. So I have let's, no, no idea. Let's keep the viewers listening then, because my last one is the Maze Runner book series entirely, specifically the Death Curve, the book um yeah <laughs> like, <that's part laughs> of the book is hard and disagree
0: hard disagree
2: <laughs> <laughs> Patrick's ever said on this fucking podcast like oh crap, well, you guys like, knew that like I've said that before <laughs> at USC dude like you're dedicating this as your fucking major dude and you said that shit dude like you just glossed over the whole like doesn't make any sense from a plot perspective it doesn't like, <laughs> what? It's, it's not like a really important thing for movies to have. You know it's not I mean? always. It's not always. Okay, look, look. Talk about keeping like people on their feet and keeping an idea interesting. The Maze Runner. The transition between the plot of the Maze Runner to the plot of the Scorch Trials to the plot of the Death Cure. Like. Being able to change locations completely. Like it's crazy how dependent the plot is to the location of the book, and yet they're able to completely change the location of each book and continue the overarching theme while keeping the actual narrative itself like super interesting and fresh. Yeah. Love, like love stories, like money, side characters. (laughs) Like money, like. Oh, I stupid. thought you were saying you love love stories and money. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. no.
0: <laughs> I love love stories, Stop. money, and side characters. Wait, but Deep. Ethan, Ethan doesn't <laughs> bother you. But doesn't
1: it bother you that all of the side characters in the Mazener are like really well fleshed out, like complex characters that each have yeah, their own like motivations? I would say it was like Logical conclusions to character right. arcs and like develop in a really interesting, complex way from that, project like, to sense. project doesn't that like really bother you i know that's not your thing so i'm like wouldn't you pre- like prefer that newt and minho just <laughs> be more simple and more like bland
2: <laughs> it's like like just so we're clear like my opinion on my gamora take has not shifted even remotely. Right? <laughs> I, I feel, I don't feel any worse about the shit I said. Like, this is one of those things where, like, I said something funny and, like, oh, like, in hindsight, like, that probably isn't true. Cause, like, I talk in hyperboles, right? Like, that happens sometimes, you know? Like, this is not I'm one not. of those things. Like, I'm right. Like I didn't want to like get all like like get into the thick of the woods or whatever but like I'm right like James Gunn is right like we're homies he's my twin for real like like this is my dude like we're right on the same thought process like like that was the right decision for Gamora like that is exactly how I want a Gamora character to be in that movie and like that's, like, I'm not saying that side characters should be not complex. I, like, I liked how complex all the other side characters were. I'm just saying you don't need to stuff my face with fucking, like, giant ass backstories and shit like that. Like, I don't need to add shit on every single fucking character is all I was saying. And the Maze Runner does that perfectly with the balancing of, like, it doesn't give me the fucking in-depth backstory of everyone in the fucking maze. Like, I don't want to hear that. Because they don't have backstories, bro, because the memory was wiped. That's literally the point. the <laughs> <a fucking laughs> point. No, like newt sick like the other dude minnow sick like honestly though like i actually think the the coolest part of the book though and this is like actually getting to my serious review is i think the denver stuff yeah is is really cool Is just really like that's why i think the death cure like really starts grounding the books in reality which clearly reminds
0: me of what the denver stuff is Dude, you need to reread these books. They're so good. <laughs> Denver, is like, off so much. We can... Denver is this safe city. But Okay, every... so that's the city from the death cure.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's Denver. Okay. Um, <laughs> basically what they do is they like send all the zombies out to warehouses and outside the city. And like they only let people who are like Obviously, like, not with the disease, like, in the city. However, like, a bunch of the politicians, like, ha- including, like, a lot of people have it, but they're just, like, popping this drug that, like, hides the symptoms of it really well, but it's still, like, spreading. And so it's, like, this, like, safe haven city that is, like, slowly collapsing from within um, in, like, a super interesting, like, more human dystopian way. um. Because it's just, like, it's the safe haven that they're working towards, and that's not where the book ends, right? And I just think it's, like, it's, like, in the, like, yeah, like, the, like, worst version of this book, they, like, make it to Denver and, like, everything's okay and they're, like, free again, you know? Um, But I just think the balancing of the world's interest versus their group's interest and, like like, them wanting to dissect the brains versus, like, them wanting to live lives and escape to Alaska or whatever, like, I just think the death cure really grounds... Some of the like, really, really like the maze is really, really dystopian. You know what I mean? And it's like a little unrealistic. And I think the scorch trials and the walk through the desert and like how those government agencies are trying to abduct them throughout that. And like, uh, it's Teresa. What, what's the female, her- yeah, yeah, Teresa, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Her storyline in the first two, I think are a little like out there. And I think the death cure of the book is why I'm putting this at where it is. I think it's just the most. It it pulls together the series into an actual real conclusion, Um, which I think is super necessary. Um, And it's not just a bunch of people like driving fast through cars and like shooting people explosions. It's actually it's actually like insane how much
1: better. (laughs) <laughs> the books are in the movies. Like it's 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 insane.
0: I want, I'm having like the same moment as Ethan. Malcolm, you haven't changed my mind on the movie. Like, I'm no, still, no, Patrick, like Patrick. Patrick. I still. I want to ask because to ask part of want, my no, no, no. pitch for the movie was that it was a bad movie. Like you're not I know, a convincing. I know, person.
1: but I want to ask a
0: legitimate Whoa. question. Also, have you read the books of the Maze Runner? Yeah, not in a while though. Okay. Yeah, I've read all books. five. Also, okay. so okay. Okay. Fuck okay. you.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Patrick, what is your number one? Um, my number one, and this is like, if you guys would watch to, it, you would know that this is the to actual to object. Wait, can the I guess? The actual can I guess, objective number one. Can I guess? Can I guess? 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 Yes. Yeah. Is it Attack on Titan? My number one is Attack okay. on Titan, which okay. uh-huh. if you guys had watched, would know, like, actually yeah. objective yeah. number one piece dystopian? of dystopian content. Is it dystopian? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. Attack on Titan, since you've watched Silo, at least, Jordan, mm-hmm. is Silo, like, on crack. It is yeah. both the single best example of a show raising interesting questions and the single best example of giving answers to those questions. Yeah. The world is fucking fascinating. Spo- this, don't I, I won't spoil Believe me, I will I'm not spoil it. I the know char- you're the right. The characters are unbelievably complex the action is exhilarating and even with all of that the storytelling is what manages to stand out the show does a complete genre shift when it starts to answer questions and it feels realistic it feels earned it adds a fresh element to the show and like when the finale comes out this fall this will be the best show of all time completed in my opinion yeah, fair. More than like, better, we haven't seen Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad,
1: but like, damn. yeah,
0: Yeah, like, it feel very, very safe in that state. There is nothing about this show that is not perfection in every storytelling mechanism. Yeah, yeah,
1: this is what I've, I've heard this, this same I mean, stuff. padre has been telling me to watch Jack on Titan for like six months now. I'm like, it's I, also I like, watch. you would love it. <laughs> I know. It's, you would love it. I know, I need to watch it, I need to watch it. I I will start... In fact, you you know winner. How many
0: episodes are there? It's four seasons, right? Uh, Three. Four seasons... No, four seasons... Um, <laughs> the episode count varies from season to season. The first one has like 25. Is it like roughly around 20 for each season? Not a it, second? Yeah, roughly around. It probably averages out to about 20. Second
2: season's I, 12.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. All right, I will watch it. This is what I'm committing to. You. On recording. I will watch it over winter break. Pencil and so when we, that's funny
0: two months yeah. from now. Well, yeah, that's when I have time to watch it. I will binge it over winter a break. That is if the you finished I'm it gonna... before the finale came out and you were waiting with anticipation for the finale. When the
2: finale come
0: out? November. I watch watched it? this show, by the way, last, uh, or, yeah, like, uh, two years ago, sorry, in, like, a week. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, how can I watch it? Yeah, what's Hulu. it on?
0: Um, um it's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. The full thing is on Hulu, yeah. There are parts of it on Netflix, but the full thing's on Hulu. That's right. Okay. Hulu. All right. Awesome. For now, uh, the
2: Attack on Titan episode coming soon.
1: Yeah. That is our uh that is our list of our favorite dystopian projects just in time uh for the Indies dystopian issue. Uh
2: yeah, and that's that's it, right? Anything else? I can't all? believe you you said the Death Cure movie. Like that is probably one <laughs> of my examples of like the worst adaptations of novels to movies
0: it is as an adaptation it is terrible
2: as a movie though as an objective it is also it terrible, is terrible. Though, <laughs> but it is so fun yeah, yeah, fair. Uh, I I can't that. there's no response to that there's no response that's actually
1: the perfect way to end this podcast that perfectly sums up how we do uh how we do movies because that is a wrap on this on this episode of excelsior thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next week and coolest part we have an actual schedule now for what's coming out. So not only will we see you next, or not next week, but in two weeks, but we will see you in two weeks with an episode on FNAF, the FNAF movie that's coming out. Um, So yeah, a little Halloween, Halloween special. Okay, well, Patrick, me and Logan will be. So, you know, uh, for those of you who liked the last week's episode better than this one, you certainly look forward to. Guys, thank you so much for listening.
2: We'll see you in two weeks. Bye-bye.